and good afternoon, good morning, good evening. How are you all doing today? And welcome to the second episode of talking with Brian about immune deficiency or primary immune deficiencies. And as you know, we are talking about hypogammaglobulinemia. If you remember from the first podcast, if you haven't listened to this first podcast, you might want to go back and start from the beginning. Um, we talk about a little bit about hypogammaglobulinemia, which is a big long word, 20 some letters long. Um, it's kind of hard to spell and pronounce, but after 24 years of having this diagnosis, I think I got it down. <laughs> but um, yeah, if you haven't heard the first podcast, please go back in and, and, and listen to the first episode. Um, there's some information there you probably would need. And like I want to do when I start off from the very beginning, I am not a medical doctor, a nurse, or anyone in the medical field. What you hear on this podcast should not be used to diagnose any conditions that you're having or anyone that's having. What you hear on this podcast is my life experiences with hypogammaglobinemia. Always, always find a medical professional to get diagnosed and to discuss any medical issues that you're having. So please, please do that. Don't take what I have for something that you have because it could, could be totally different even though we have the same symptoms. So, but like I said, we're talking about hypogammaglobinemia. It's one of those rare diseases that uh, you, you start pretty much, if you don't get caught with it when you're in the, when you're newborn, Early childhood ages, it usually takes about, um, comes on about your second or third decade of life. Mine was in my second decade at 27. But like I told you, it explains a lot of things that happened to me when I was little. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Some of the things that I grew up with, you know, from being born to, you know, throughout my high school, pretty much until... I was diagnosed in, when I was 27. So with that, um, you know, I was born in April. I was an April baby, and I was born at night. So from right there, I was I had my nights and days mixed up for I don't know how long. And it went, I think I still do. Uh, my days and nights are not, you know, I feel much better working at night. And I think that's all started from there. That's not a symptom of any of this, but. I just want to kind of, you know, let you know my life experiences. So I had my days and nights mixed up. I was always a night owl. Um, I had colic when I was when I was a baby. Um, also, I had some heart issues when I was a baby. Um, I had a heart murmur that I did grow out of once I became, you know, once I had puberty, pretty much. I got rid of that that heart murmur then. So that, you know, that's how it all started. Had the heart murmur, had issues. Uh, I remember going to Columbus and I'm from Dayton, Ohio. So, you know, Columbus was the big area back in 1971 when I was born. Columbus was, had, had pretty much everything. We didn't have much here in, you know, the Dayton Springfield area right then at that time, back in the seventies. We had just started building a lot in, in, in Dayton. So went to Columbus Children's Hospital. And I remember 
it was, you know, I can't remember how old I was, but I want to say it was six, seven, eight years old. It's my very first memory of going to a doctor. And I had a lot of issues with my heart at that time. Enough to where my mom and dad took me to Columbus and I had all kinds of tests done. And they were a little, little concerned. I've never seen my mom and dad get concerned, but they were here, um, which scared me. You know, as a little kid, that's going to scare you, obviously. But I do remember the best thing about it is that I was the only one that got to go. My brothers and sisters weren't with me. And I got to spend the time with my mom and dad by myself. And we got to go to eat. And, you know, we got to do all that childhood stuff by myself without my brothers and sisters. So that was kind of nice. Um, but, yeah, I remember coming back and they had they had a new game for me in the car and everything. And, you know, didn't have to share that with my brothers and sisters or anything. So that was, that was kind of cool. Um, come to find out, it was just that heart murmur that was causing the problems. Couldn't, you know, didn't know if they checked me for any of the immune deficiencies then. Obviously, I don't have the medical records back from 1975, 76, so. Um, but then I started, you know, when I, when I grew up, I started playing t-ball, soccer, you know, doing the, the sports things that, that kids do in summer when they're growing up and. I just didn't have that much problem as a baseball player. I didn't really have to run that much, but I didn't like running at all. I couldn't run very well. I, uh, playing soccer, <laughs> and, you know, here's my mind when I was that little. I was a little grown up, kind of. I thought, you know, what's going to be the best way? Because I know I can't run very well because I've tried to run with my brothers, you know, around the neighborhood, and I just couldn't keep up. Just couldn't keep up. So playing soccer, I'm like, man, that's a, I love soccer. That's a lot of running I got to do. So what did I do? I became a goalie. <laughs> we don't have to run too much as a goalie. You know, run a little bit, but, you know, that's was one of my ways of hiding my disease when I was a kid. Now, I grew, I hated the goalie when I first started. I did not want to do that. I wanted to be out running around scoring goals with all my other friends you know, running around and getting high fives. Because as a goalie, when you first start out, it's you just stand there and pick the dandelions, basically, is what I did. Didn't like being a goalie at all until I got into my seventh, eighth, ninth grade years. So that was really kind of cool. Um, so that was kind of neat. But that's how I hid things. And I did that a lot growing up. I hit a lot of things like that. No, I don't like playing that game, which I loved playing it. But if it involved running, didn't want to do it. You know, my brothers would go out and go running around the campgrounds. We used to go camping all the time. And if they were out running around. You know, I, I went fishing with my dad. I just got my pole and went down, and which I loved to do. It was nice, you know, but I was a sports guy. You know, I wanted to play sports. I wanted to run around, but I did a lot of fishing with my dad because I just couldn't run. And, you know, my family, I've never really talked about this to my family. So, hey, guys, <laughs> if you're listening, yeah, that's one of the reasons why I became a goalie. And, you know, basketball came around and I thought, you know, I really, my brothers love basketball. My dad was in love with basketball. He played basketball when he was in high school. Um, 
around this area, my brothers were very good. So I, I kind of felt pressured into playing basketball because my brothers were doing so well in it. And everybody's like, oh, you're just going to be just like your brothers. I'm like, yeah, but I don't want to run. I had a lot of, a lot of issues with playing basketball. Wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Um, practice times would come around. And that was the worst for me. Trying to play basketball and trying to take breaks running. I faked a lot of injuries. I'm sure if some of my friends and teammates remember that I, I tried to fake a lot of running. And I apologize for that, but I didn't know what else to do. Didn't know what was wrong with me. I just knew I couldn't run. I mean, I would run for a little while and then these pains would just start hitting like I was having a heart attack and I didn't want to tell anybody I was having pains in my chest in high school. You know, I just, I wanted to be a normal person. And I'm sure a lot of people that listen to this know what I'm talking about by being a normal person. You don't want to have to explain things to people all the time. I mean, I get asked so many times, what's wrong with you? Why are you like this? And I know people agree with me. I really, really liked hiding what I did. And it wasn't fair to me. It wasn't fair to my teammates. It wasn't fair to my family. It wasn't fair to anybody, really. But, you know, that's what I did when I was little. I didn't care about what everybody else was thinking. I just wanted to be a normal person and do whatever I could to get, a, you know, to look normal anyway. Um, you know, a lot of things happened when I was growing up that, you know, um, my mom would always make sure I had extra rest. I think she knew deep down that she really knew something was wrong with me. And we just couldn't figure it out. I got sick every year, every summer, every winter. I was always sick. There was something wrong with me. I had nose running, um, sinus infections. I had so many sinus infections growing up that, I can't, you know, Doctors made a lot of money off of me, I'll just tell you that. Um, they're still making a lot of money off of me. But I was sick all the time. Strep throat, mono, um, just general fatigue. Um, I know my mom was taking me to the doctor a lot just to find out what was wrong with me. And it would always come back mono or strep or just, oh, it's just a sinus infection. It's just give him a couple of aspirin, put some Vicks Vapor Rub on him, and he'll be good to go. Does everybody remember that? That Vicks Vapor Rub on your chest? To this day, I cannot stand that smell. It's a great smell. My wife loves it. But to this day, I had it on my chest so much when I went to bed. And that sticky feeling you get when you put a T-shirt on over it, I couldn't sleep in that. You know, I ended up taking so much Robitussin and NyQuil and just to be able to get to sleep and feel better just for an hour or two. You know, when you're sick all the time, you just want to be normal. And I never felt normal growing up. Never felt normal. And that's what I'm talking about by some of these missing links that, I, that I'm telling you about. I understand them now. 
because of my diagnosis when I was 27. You know, um, we'd go camping all the time. Every summer, my dad had our camper at a campground that he just kept the the camper there year round. And we would go there and spend two, three weeks out of the summer every single year. And I look forward to that because I could hide away a lot easier. Didn't have to do chores at home. And we'll get to chores at home in a minute. You know, my brothers, you know, they would go hiking all the time. And I would, sometimes I would go with them if it was the first thing I, we did in, in, in the mornings or in the afternoons, I'd go with them. But I could always, always watch to where we were going. So I knew how to get home quick because I don't think I ever finished a hike with them. I'd always turn around and go back because I would get too tired. And, you know, I'd come walking into the campsite and like, where's your brothers? Ah, oh, they're still out there doing stuff. And, I just needed to come back. I just wanted to come back. I, I had enough of hiking, which was not true. It's just that I needed to come back and rest. You know, sometimes if my dad was there, you know, well, let's grab our poles and go fishing. I'm like, yeah, that's the best thing. I could sit there and just fish. We you know, dug for worms, made bread crumbs. Um, you know, I would go, there's a creek there and I, and, and I would, me and my dad would go crawdad hunting so he could fish with the crawdads. And boy, he brought some nice looking fish in with crawdads, but, or crayfish or however, you know, whatever side of the part of the world you're in, what you call them. We call them crawdads. Always come from behind when you're trying to get a crawdad. Never come from the side or the front because they'll pinch you. That was my first lesson from my dad. Um, but that's all I ever wanted to do was just relax. And, and I didn't want to be, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13 years old. You wanted to be active. And I didn't. I just wanted to be normal. And I wasn't being normal by having my dad go fishing with him all the time and just sitting there. But I would pray for those days. I mean, I would pray for those humid, hot, humid days because we wouldn't go. We'd go to the pool and relax, you know. The hottest, I'd pray for humid days. I'm from Ohio, so you know how humid it gets here in Ohio. I would pray for them days because we'd go to the pool instead of going to play basketball. Or, you know, I would, they did have a putt-putt course there, so when we went putt-putt, and that was nice. I didn't do a lot of things because I didn't, not that I didn't want to, I wanted to. But I couldn't. And, you know, this brings up a lot of memories. And I know my family is just going to be like, oh, my God. I didn't know any of that was going on. And I don't think they're going to like it very well when they hear this. (laughs) But I tell you, it's when you have a chronic illness, you don't care what anybody thinks. You just want to feel better. It doesn't matter. Um, and that's what I'm telling everybody that, you know, that's why I feel alone sometimes with me. You know, my wife does a great job with me and my caretaking, but I just want to talk to other people that have chronic illnesses. And that's why I'm doing this podcast. I don't know if it's going to catch on. I didn't have very many views or listens and downloads. And I know I need to get better with my podcasting skills and getting a little better. Um, it might take me a while, but 
hopefully people can come back and listen to these first episodes and understand why I'm doing what I'm doing. My friends are going to be surprised, you know, don't have a lot of friends. I've lost a lot of friends and that happens when you have a chronic disease. Growing up, I had so many friends. We would go and I would fake everything. We'd ride our bikes for hours and, you know, don't be home. You know, that was our thing. If you weren't home by supper, you didn't eat and you better be in by the time those street lights come on. That was our curfew. That was when we had to be home. And if we weren't home when them street lights came on, then we got in trouble. We didn't eat dinner because we were late for dinner. But, you know, after a whole day of running around like that, I wasn't really too sure I wanted to eat anyway. And I tell you, if you would look at my brothers and then you would look at me when I was in high school, it's 130 pounds and nothing, no muscle, no nothing. You look at my brothers and they're nice and big and they probably eat a lot more than I did. I was a skinny little man. Wasn't even six foot. I was 5'10", 5'11", maybe 5'8", you know, sometimes. I don't know. Depends on who was holding the ruler at that time or the ruler or the, the measuring tape. But, you know, I had a lot of friends. I really did. And I know they got frustrated a lot because I didn't do a lot back. You know, I get tired and I'd be done. You know, and I'm sure it'll bring up, if any of them ever listen to this, it'll bring up memories of of me not, you know, getting extra sleep or getting extra time to relax. Like I said, that's why I picked being a goalie. I was a goalie through my whole life, and I love being a goalie now. I grew, It grew to me. And I played goalie through my whole high school career, and I loved every minute of it. Um... I did play basketball. In my junior year, I started varsity and, and played a lot. And I played a, a lot. Then my senior year, I broke my wrist and a preseason game broke my hand. And, you know, I, the guy that took my position, he just outworked me that year. And he, he was better than I was that year. And he got to play. And I didn't because I didn't work at it because my heart wasn't into it that much. Not to say take anything away from him. He was a great player. And I'm glad he started over me because he deserved it. He worked his butt off between his junior and senior year. And, you know, that's just what happens. But it's because, you know, I'm not saying anything bad or, you know, he, he did a good job. It was, you know, he was a totally different player from his junior, senior year. And, and I and I went back the other way. I recessed and... So I didn't really, I mean, after I broke my, my, my bones in my hands in a preseason basketball game, I didn't have that heart or that desire to run and, and get back in shape and, and to do those kind of things. Didn't have the heart. Didn't want to have to fake anything anymore. I could, I had my fake injury right there in my hand. Even though I wanted to play like crazy, I wanted to be in there. Just couldn't do it. Because it hurt so bad. And I tell you, when I tell you it hurt, it was just like an aching pain all the time. It's like my body did not have the energy to do what I was wanting it to do. And I wasn't able to do it. 
Um, I did a soccer. It was great. Basketball was okay. I even tried to run track one year. Go figure that. Just trying to be normal. I tried to run track. The worst thing I hated to do was running. And here I am running a mile and a two mile in track. What was I doing? I just wanted to fit in. And if you have kids that are in high school, you might want to have them listen to this because if they're not, if they have a chronic illness or something, I could, I can tell them, and I could probably tell you how they're feeling right now. They want to be normal. They want to do what every other kid is doing. And I hope they're not lying to you. I hope they tell you everything, but it's, it's hard. It is really hard to live growing up as a, with a chronic illness. Like I said, I told you I had a lot of friends. I don't have any friends anymore. I have my wife. I have one good friend that I play Xbox with a lot. And that's really about it. I have my family, even though they might about be talking to me after this podcast. <laughs> no, I'm sure they will, but... That's pretty much, I mean, you, you lose, and I know people know what I'm talking about. You have all these friends starting out and then they start, you know, he's sick. Why would we invite him? I haven't been invited to do anything with my friends in a long time, three, four years. In fact, I just had a memory come up on my Facebook that uh, I got to spend a night with one of my, we went to a basketball, a high school basketball game. He's a, uh, athletic director and he asked if I wanted to go and got in free to this high school basketball game and he was the best man at my wedding and that was three or four years ago and I haven't talked to anybody since really people don't have time you know they don't want to mess with somebody that's sick I mean you, you cancel a lot you do a lot of things when you're sick when you have a chronic illness that you wish you could do you know, I mean, you're feeling great one day, you know, my, <laughs> my disease causes me to turn around so quickly. In fact, I'll give you an example. Just a few weeks ago, I just got out of the hospital last week with pneumonia. I had it for three days. I was in the hospital for three days, still getting over it. I tell you, I went, my wife got home from work and we were talking about her, her job and everything and how everything was going. And I'm feeling great, feeling fine. We come up here and, you know, I snore a lot, so I sleep in a separate bed because I have sleep apnea and I snore and there's all kinds of oxygen machines running and my CPAP machines running. There's just too much noise for my wife to, to be in the bed together with us. And I have restless leg syndrome. I've kicked her so many times. So she went into her room and I went to my room and then I called her back in here and I said, I don't feel very good. So we took my temperature and I was in 99 and I just, you know, felt achy. It felt like, I can tell you when I'm getting pneumonia, I get pneumonia a lot, at least two or three times a year where I'm hospitalized two or three times a year with pneumonia. And that's just a side effect from my hypogammaglobinemia. That, well, there's other reasons for it, but I get sinus infections, sinus infections turn into pneumonia. Sinus infections are the real call, real symptom of hypogammaglobinemia. So it turns into pneumonia for me. And, you know, I took it my temperature. It was 99 degrees. And then I fell asleep for about maybe a half an hour. And she came in to check on me. And she woke me up and said, how you doing? How you feeling? And I took my temperature again. It was 102. 
So within a half an hour, I went from 99 to 102, just like that. That happens to me all the time. So if I'm getting ready to go do something with my friends or something, that's how it used to be. Sometimes I'd have to call and cancel because I'd be heading to the hospital instead of heading out to with my friends. And, you know, I know that would get old. My friends, oh, he's always canceling. Why should we invite him? And that's what I get right now. You know, it's what I used to get. I mean, this has been four, five, six, seven years ago. And they just don't want to do it with me. I mean, why would you want to do with somebody that's always canceling on you all the time? They know the reason. I just don't think it sinks in. So if some of you people out there that have chronic illnesses know what I'm talking about, you know, email me. We can set up a time. We can talk. This is what this podcast is about. Conversations with Brian. We can talk about our experiences. You know, um, so you see, we're in high school and that, that's, that's pretty much how I was in high school. Just wanted to fit in. Didn't do a lot. I had a girlfriend at the time, you know. We didn't do a lot. We didn't go out a lot. Didn't go to parties or anything. We just pretty much stayed in, watched movies, went to movies. That's about all we did. And I'm sure it frustrated her because when I graduated, she was a junior, became a senior. And when I graduated, she, I know she went out and had parties and went to parties and she met other people. And if you're out having fun, why would you want to stay home with a boyfriend that just doesn't feel good or doesn't want to do anything? You know, and I never told her and I should have. You know, and we broke up after, you know, her senior year after she graduated and she didn't want to be bogged down with me by, you know, not feeling good. She wanted to go out, party. There's nothing wrong with that. Don't blame her one bit. You know, I don't blame anybody. You know, it's it's fine. You go have your fun. Um, that's why I play on the computer and I play on my Xbox a lot because it's really all I have to do. Now, I do have other other other, other hobbies that I do. I, I do puzzles. I read. I really love doing puzzles. I've got puzzles glued up all over my room. Big ones, small ones. That's just how it is. It's with a, someone with a chronic illness, that's what you're going to have. You're going to have friends that just go away. They're still your friends. You could call them any. I could call any one of my friends and we could talk for hours. But to try to set something up and go do something, you can't do that. Especially now because I have other issues and we'll go through those other issues later. I have the, the hypogammaglobinemia, which is one chronic illness. I have another chronic illness. I have like two or three more chronic illnesses that we'll talk about as we go along with this podcast. Um. I am in the pre-testing for a double lung transplant. I wear oxygen 24-7. I can't go out and do things anymore. Um, now, I'm not saying that because you have hypogammaglobinemia, you're going to have these lung issues. You're not. I have other issues that I will explain later on down the line. But usually when you have hypogammaglobinemia, you get your IVIG treatments, you're going to be fine. You're going to be able to go do things. You're not going to be stuck with oxygen. I don't want to scare anybody. But you're, you're going to be fine. Everything's as long as you get your IVIG, 
And, you know, it changes all the time. You could be taking a pill maybe in 10, 15, 20 years. Take a couple pills to to get over what you need. You know, you never know. Changes, changes a lot. So, but I have other issues that I have have caused me to be on a lung, pre-lung. I've got to do all the pre-testing again. And well, that's, those are episodes down the road. <laughs> but... Uh, you will. You'll have friends that just don't. They just don't want to be with you. So you know, get out of high school. Um, you know, I, I had a few odd jobs. I tried to play softball for a while, and, and that ran me down too. Even though you know, softball, playing softball as an adult is just it's pretty easy. You don't have to try too hard. <laughs> um, I know my. I was on a team with one of my buddies and we, we had buddies and, you know, we've had a lot of fun times playing softball when I just got out of high school, but I was able to do that. Now, this is all before I've been diagnosed. I haven't been diagnosed yet. And all I think is I have strep throat or I have sinus infections. I'm still going along. I know there's something more going on because I, I know my body and I know me. I mean, like I've been dealing with this for a long time. I didn't know it then, but I knew there was something going else going on. There was something wrong with me that I just didn't want to face up. I hated going to doctors because they would always tell me, no, this is bad. You don't, you know, well, you're sick. That's all I would ever hear from doctors. You're sick. Here's some antibiotics. Get rest. Drink plenty of fluids. You know, after two or three times you hear that, that's I could tell you exactly. It's like playing a tape recorder from how the doctors would come back in and say, well, this is what's going on. You've got strep throat, and I'm going to check you for mono. We'll get back to you and see if you have that. It's just how it was. So, you know, I just chalked that up with softball, you know, playing softball, that I still was getting strep throat and pneumonia, or not even pneumonia then. I wouldn't get pneumonia yet. You know, I didn't get pneumonia until that first time I talked to you in the first podcast about it, or the first episode, you know, about waking up that night and couldn't breathe. It's the first time I ever had pneumonia when I was 27. So, I, you know, I'm just thinking this is just a common cold. You know, I need to move out of Ohio Valley because of the different changes in seasons all the time. They told me to move out west where I could breathe better. It wouldn't have mattered. Yeah. So that's what I always thought. I was always just either had mono, science infection. You know, and then after after softball, we played for maybe four, five, six years. Um, kind of stopped playing softball when one of my buddies passed away on the base, on the softball field. Uh, he had a heart defect then. He passed away on there, and I, I still miss him to this day because we were really, really close friends. And we didn't really have a friendship until we were out of high school. Started playing softball. In fact, my best, the, the guy I was talking to you about introduced us, you know, playing that softball together and stuff. And, and I got real close with him and his family, and, you know, I miss him like crazy. Um, and then... Didn't really do much after that. 
Um, I needed to find a job. I needed to know what I was going to do with my life. So I was working at a gas station at that time, <laughs> pumping gas, fixing cars, doing oil changes, things like that in, in the, at the gas station. So I needed to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And I had started to notice that my friends were kind of fading away even then. And you'll have that. You'll you'll know, and I'm sure people know on here, you'll have your friends fade away from you, and you'll recognize it right away. And I tried to hold on to them as long as I could. And, and I, you know, got into my 40s, I was able to. But, you know, and then I, and after this Ohio job, I, I didn't really play much sports. I was able to hide my illness pretty good. You know, I'm single at the time, and then I, Went and applied for this job at uh, the warehouse club I was telling you about that I was there for a long time, uh, 13, 15 years, something like that. You know, I was a manager. I, I became an assistant manager. I was working 70, 80 hours a week. So I really didn't have to do too much, you know, with friends and stuff. I was always working. You know, I met my first wife there. Um, we were married for what, seven years, got divorced in 2000. Um, and, and I worked there for, and I, and I, and I left, I left my job. I, I was tired of retail. Then I found the job I really loved and that was working construction with my brothers and working there. Uh, we were building new schools. We would put the ductwork in, all the ductwork and stuff. And that was a hard job for me because, you know, there was, it was, you know, you're out in the humidity, which I loved, but you had to work. You couldn't take breaks. <laughs> so I was there again, back to hiding my, my issues. Now, I know that my brother took me a couple times during my, what, nine, eight, nine year career there a few times to the hospital and I had pneumonia, de developed pneumonia. This was after I was diagnosed when I got this job with um, the sheet metal working. I was already diagnosed. I was getting my, and like I said, in 97, I was getting my, my IVIG. So as long as I was getting an IVIG, I was good, but I was still hiding a lot of things from everybody. Not from my doctors. I was enjoying going to my doctors at this time because they saved my life. Why wouldn't you want to go to your doctors if, if, if they're going to save your life? Of course you want to go there. Wasn't afraid of needles anymore. I mean, you can, I've been stuck. <laughs> I couldn't even tell you how many times. Well, think about it. Every four, three to four weeks, you know, started out every four weeks getting my IVIG. And that's an IV in your vein intravenously. So you have to get poked with a needle every three to four weeks. Started out every four weeks. Now it's every three weeks. And that's been for 24 years that I've gotten stuck every three weeks, four weeks. Uh, to needles are nothing to me now. <laughs> In fact, I think I might even be able to do it myself from just watching. So it's, you know, it, it's tough on people. It really is. Especially like you caregivers and stuff, you know, they're, they're taking you to the hospital a lot. And here we are having pneumonia again, like my brothers did when I was in that sheet metal. Um, I was singled for about eight years and I met my current wife 
and hopefully you'll get to meet her in a few more podcasts when we talk about caregiving. Um, and she, she just changed my world. She really did. I went from having pneumonia four or five times a year. Honestly, I had pneumonia four or five times a year when I was in the hospital. And her caregiving got me down to two times a year. And we were really hoping I wouldn't have to go to the hospital. <laughs> we started off here in February. Usually it's January, so we've pushed it back a month. <laughs> so maybe we can just do it once this year. But I met her and we got married in 08. Um, we combined families. We have all daughters, which I told you about a little bit about my daughter's last, last podcast. So, you know, I just want to have conversations with people. That's the whole part of this podcast. Whole reason for it. So people don't feel scared going to see a doctor anymore. <clears throat> I'm sure a lot of the people get this diagnosis and they're scared to death. I was scared to death. But it explains a lot of the problems that I had when I was a kid, you know, going through a lot of that. And a lot of them were my own problems that I had to get through mentally. And I didn't see, you didn't go see a psychiatrist back then, you know, who, who, you know, you get labeled a certain way and that's not fair. Thank goodness people don't get labeled that way anymore. But back in the seventies and eighties, it was a different time and you got labeled for whatever, you know, if labels were thrown out there all the time, they had them on TV labels, you know, watching your sitcoms and they label people, judge people. Thank goodness it's, it's getting better. It's not where it needs to be in our mental health system. We really need to push for new laws and new, new everything with the mental health. I, I see a psychiatrist now. I talk to her. And that's, that's good. That's a good thing. And if you have a chronic illness, I suggest you go and talk with somebody in the mental, in the mental health field. It will make you feel so much better. Me doing this podcast, I wouldn't have done this without being able to go through some of the mental health things that I went through and, and talked about a lot of the things. I would have thought, you know, oh, man, I, I'm going to sound stupid on there and, and nobody's going to want to listen to me. So I know this is a little shorter than last week's, but uh, I think it was a good episode. And I really hope some people will start reaching out to me. My my email address is talkingwithbrianpi at gmail.com. Reach out to me. Let me know if you are having some kind of chronic illness or or what you think of the show. I mean, tell me that I need to quit. I'm, this is bad for me. I shouldn't do it. You know, whatever you want to do. Please go and rate me on Spotify and Apple or wherever you listen to me from. Um, I know I'm on Apple and I'm on Spotify. I'm on Google Podcasts. So go rate me and let's see what happens. Um. So hopefully, you know, we can continue this podcast and, and, and next ep- next week's episode is going to be kind of fun. So we'll, we'll talk about that next week. And please remember, do not, I'm not a medical doctor. Don't take anything on here as a diagnosis. 
you need to go see your own medical doctor and get your own. These are just my, my experiences, my life experiences that I've had with this disease. Everybody's different. You're going to have different ways of dealing with things. So until next week, thank you for listening. And do not forget to be your, never stop being your own advocate. That's one thing I can say is never stop being your own advocate. So I will talk to you guys soon. Thank you. Bye-bye.